Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to remember those who have transgressed against the great spirit of inclusion and must henceforth be forever cast into the abyss of dead names. In this moment of our remembrance, we prove with great grief and wailing the sincerity of our noble tolerance. What we once wrongly allowed in the ignorance of white privilege has become the cleansing rite of virtue signaling we use to prove our purity. Join with me now as we remember those we've lost. First, Scott Adams. Duh. We certainly can't allow anyone who calls black people a hate group or advocates for white people separating from them to be allowed to publish completely unrelated cartoons about workplace idiocracy. Not in this land of the tolerant and the home of the obedient, no ma'am. But canceling Scott Adams is only a reminder of how unvigilant we have been about something so deadly serious as the funny pages. In order to avoid this same problem in the future, we offer the following modest reforms for newspaper cartoon sections. First, all cartoonists must take an anti-racism pledge to the effect that they do not now, nor have they ever held or expressed any ideas that are not completely woke. Signatures, verbal pledges, or pinky swears shall be acceptable. Second, we want all daily cartoons printed in full color, thus to begin to chip away at the harmful segregationist paradigm embedded in the black and white dichotomy. An additional benefit of colorifying the daily comics page will be to make it harder and harder to find the color white represented anywhere on the page at all. The rainbow does not contain white, remember. These reforms should be good to start, but dear Otherin, it is high time for some serious introspection. In the Rasmussen poll, he who shall no longer be named based his tirade upon, a full 53% of black people indicated they agreed with the statement it's okay to be white. In fact, if we include the uncertains, the number of black people who were open to the possibility that it might be okay to be white rises to a staggering 74%, three quarters. How can it be true that despite our decades of good solid propaganda in television, print, higher and lower education, and corporate sensitivity trainings, that we still have only proselytized 20%, 26% of black people to the truth? I fear we have much more work to be done before we reach the promised land in which everyone realizes that whiteness is not okay. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. Second, the comics page itself. The more I thought about the horrors of a monster like Scott Adams hiding behind the seeming innocuity of his frontman Dilbert, I realized we really ought to take a more serious look at the cartoons themselves. Toward this end, I strongly recommend we hire some true experts to help clean up our comics page, and who better than the gifted and wise inclusion ambassadors who recently helped modernize the Roll Doll books? Even without the sage guidance of the non-binary, asexual, polyamorous relationship anarchist project manager, we see some problems ourselves. First, Beetle Bailey must go. Although one might argue that showing military members in such a buffoonish and inept light is actually useful for de-idolizing the war machine, we believe that simply showing military uniforms on the comics page has a dangerously humanizing effect on readers. If representation of oppressed minorities is good, de-representation of those who serve the military-industrial complex is imperative. Also, uniforms are scary, just like Sarge. But this is just one illustration of the danger of illustrations. Consider Family Circus and its breeder centrism, offering up reproduction and siblingism within an intact heterosexual marriage as a healthy lifestyle? Surely you see the evil here. The same can be said about Dennis the Menace, Baby Blues, Zitz, and High and Lois. Yes, Blondie does a fairly good job of emasculating Dagwood as a good feminist would, but it still perpetuates both monogamy and the outmoded physical beauty ideals of a bygone era. One must sincerely ask why Blondie has no girthy girlfriends. 
Then BC. B. C. Do I really need to explain the unacceptability of this Christocentric time reference as a comic strip title? Shoo. Dangerously affirms both alcoholism and questioning authority. And though it might not seem obvious at first, with Garfield, Peanuts, and Mutts on the page, but where is the representation of undomesticated animals? What about snakes, whales, insects, fungi? The only non-humans allowed to be represented are the ones who serve humans? What flagrant speciesism? For all the talk of inclusion from major newspaper publishers, the comics page itself is remarkably human-centric, white, and heteronormative. There's much work for the inclusion ambassadors to be done here. Woe unto all who offend. And finally, I'd like to praise the fine work being done, albeit inadvertently, by Florida's Republican State Senator Blaise Angolia, who this week filed a bill declaring that no political party in the state of Florida shall be certified if it has ever advocated for slavery in its platform, as the Democrat Party did from 1844 to 1864. Now, clearly the senator meant this as a point of satire directed at our religion's devout commitment to eradicating Confederate monuments and personages. He even admitted as much on Twitter. But need we explain that removing the enduring reminders of past offenses is no laughing matter? But rather than reject Angolia's ham-fisted and unfunny joke of a bill, we embrace it and hear the juicy center of hurtfulness contained inside the clumsy shell of this legislation. He's right. We should most definitely cancel our own Democratic Party and start over afresh. As Horton's fifth corollary on historic assessment reminds us, a transgression's a transgression no matter how small or how far in the past. Our own doctrines on critical race theory teach that America is built on the rotted core of slavery and therefore cannot be salvaged. If we are to have any credibility at all in next season's wholly televised culture wars, we should act now to purge ourselves of this embarrassment. Besides, we really shouldn't call ourselves Democrats anyhow, since we most certainly do not believe that truth comes from a majority of the people. Literally every subsequent cause we champion pertains to fewer and fewer actual people and offers support for ever more unpopular ideas. When we started advocating for gay marriage, nobody believed in it. When we started working on transgender justice, even fewer people were with us. In every endeavor, we are the righteous fewer and fewer working to show the masses how wrong they've always been. Eliminating meat from our diets, taxing carbon, regulating cow farts, banning Dr. Seuss and deleting Aunt Jemima. The masses laughed at all of this insanity in the beginning, and now these things are canon. So yes. Let us throw off the embarrassing legacy of being Democrats and embrace a new identity with a new name such as the Unpopulists or the New Puritans or maybe the Extremocrats. We don't have to decide today. We're still a work in progress. Bear with us. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. And now with these cleansing rites performed, may we all go forth in loving tolerance and microaggress no more. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. <laughs>